Hello and welcome back for another edition of Outside is Overrated. This is episode 14. Our 14th episode, our 7th of 2019. We are rolling with seven episodes in seven months. We have what I'm fairly confident is a great show for you today. We're going to talk about one of my favorite topics in the world, Spider-Man. As Tom and Phoenix unmask the web slinger. We're going to review Spider-Man Far From Home. We're going to rank the Spider-Man films and talk about Marvel Entertainment overall. Before we get started, I would like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn.com. I've been a fan of the wall crawler for a very long time, and no spider tale would be complete without a compelling love interest. So I would like to welcome the amazing, the spectacular Mrs. OIO <laughs> Phoenix. Welcome back to the show, my love. Thank you so much. What have you been up to since the last time we recorded an episode a couple of months ago? Well, we finished watching The Librarians. Um, we actually watched the final season since it was canceled, and... Um, it was fun to watch it. It's a fun show to watch. Another one of our favorites. Just a real quick high-level overview. It's an ad- it's an adventure show. It's a group of young people who become librarians guarding this mystical library. It follows the continuity of a couple librarian movies that aired on TNT 8, 10, 12, a at while ago. At least, yeah. I mean, it started off with Noah Wiley. But you can think of it. It's sort of similar to Doctor Who, but not quite. It's like Doctor Who meets Indiana Jones. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really fun show. One of our favorites. Anyways, what else have you been up to? Uh, we've also been watching The Punisher, the second season. A very Tom-friendly show. Very Tom-friendly. So we've been working pretty close to the end of that, but um, it's very fun, and it's fitting for this episode since Punisher first showed up on Spider-Man. You've also been doing a bunch of reading lately, uh, but I haven't seen you open a book or a magazine in a while. <laughs> what has been <laughs> occupying your time? I've been, I stumbled upon it years ago, but I was really upset about how two characters, about characters in a TV show, and I Googled something, and I found out that actually people will write comp stories, and it's called fan fiction. And people might have heard the word ship, where you ship a couple, meaning you sp- want them to get together it's a very very new term for me like game of thrones (laughs) final season new for me but um it's very fascinating um fanfiction.net is one of them archive our own but it's these people who they love the characters they love the storylines and they take it and they make it their own and so if you are upset say if you're really upset with game of thrones how it ended there's a lot who would be (laughs) upset about that love (laughs) A lot of people. <laughs> Me. But, um... Wait, I thought you liked the ending. We talked about it. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it, but... Eh, didn't like it. But, you know, they they write the stories, and they take two characters, and or multiple characters. You can filter who you like. So you can... If you want to fix it, you can fi- uh, filter for fix it for. So, like, if you want to see Doctor Who and you want to see Martha end up with somebody yep. else, you could filter it that way. Yep. So, for you who like Martha in Doctor Who, you could filter the stories to be about ten and Martha together. I tend to filter ten and Donna together, and so and some stories can be horseshit, and the others can be really, really, really good. New <laughs> record for outside, or that's a first for outsiders overrated. <laughs> I am not the first person to swear on an episode. You just made me so happy, my love. <laughs> you know, it's very fascinating because it, you know, people like with Game of Thrones, um, 
I've dwelled into it because I've been trying to find ways to feel happier about certain situations. And, and which characters are you most intrigued about in Game of Thrones? Who have you gone down the rabbit hole the farthest for? You're going to make me say it, aren't you? I am. I know I know the answer, <laughs> but I think it's interesting, so I thought I'd bring it up. Um, I, it might not be a popular choice, but I've been reading a lot of stories about John and Sansa because... They're not brother and sister. They're cousins. They're and cousins. And if you look at royal history, cousins got married constantly, you know. And it's just interesting, a lot of these stories with those two t- characters together. People have been able to write a story where John never bends a knee, but he's able to get Danny to come save the North. And, you know, it's just people have these creative imaginations and they can pull it together. And I hope this isn't uh, juvenile or a silly question, but are they all romance-based? or Not necessarily, no. You can um, filter romance. You can filter... Um, adventure uh, you know they have a lot of different filters you can do so it doesn't have to be just about romance but me that's what I go for but you can also uh, filter by rating too they go very explicit um, they can get very M rated yeah if you. so where do you like to go on that scale honey <laughs> Oh, I filter for all the ratings, but yes, no, I'll read the M rated. <laughs> yeah. So in your opinion, do you like it better when you're reading about something where you didn't necessarily like the screen outcome or when there's characters that you just don't know enough about or where do you find it most interesting or compelling? I've used it both ways. I mean, West Wing, I've used it, you know, Donna and um, Josh do get together, but I just wanted it sooner so i read stories i put them together sooner. i haven't seen west wing so i have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about but uh firefly i used a lot for that since it got canceled and a lot of people will just they you know wrote a lot of stories and who did you follow in those stories was it all malcolm and i know his name is malcolm now <laughs> yes, malcolm and, and nara no i'm not a huge nara fan so no i did not filter for those and then um they have a lot of um I mean, they do video games. People write stories for video games. So Final Fantasy. I did some Cloud and Tifa stories. And yeah, I can get behind that. And they do uh, cartoons. They do uh, movies, TV shows, books. So Harry Potter, you can filter for the books or you can filter for the movies. People will follow either way, you know. So it's, you know, it's just amazing how they expand. And then there's crossovers. It's just so if there's a story... That's Dewhouse's favorite is the crossover. <laughs> I've heard that. Um, so yeah, if you are upset with the storyline or don't like, or if a show was canceled before you could, they could finish a storyline, there's people out there that will do it for you and you can get some completion in some way. So, Well, that's really interesting. I had never really been familiar. I had heard the term fan fiction, but I didn't really know anything about it until I noticed that you were reading a lot more stuff on your phone recently. So thank you for diving into it a little bit. With oh, us. you're welcome. <laughs> so while you've been reading fan fiction and taking care of our child, I've been thrilled to actually get some good gaming in over the last couple of weeks. Now it's July, so I am playing Final Fantasy VII. I'm just a couple hours into it. I'm still in Midgar. I just bought a dress tonight. That's very exciting. We are recording on July 12th, by the way. By the way, So I still have a couple of weeks left. I'm going to get out of Midgar in that GD game. I swear it. Out of Midgar. Anyways, in addition to that, I've been playing Borderlands 2 with some friends in anticipation of the third entry coming out later this year, and we also had a Monster Hunter World session a couple of nights ago. 
If I had the choice, I would probably still be playing if I was physically able to stay awake that long. Oh, yeah. You've told me many times you wanted to stay home from work and play. <laughs> it is the most complicated and addicting game I think I have ever played, and it is so much better with friends. So shout out to Hobbybox Burns and Eric Rivard for firing it up with me the other night. We had a blast. Mm-hmm. We played for about five hours, and I looked at the clock. I'm like, it's 1030. I got to go to bed. I thought I just sat down. <laughs> Yes, you did say that. Cat barfed right in the middle of it. Didn't even phase me. <laughs> you texted me saying cat barfed. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do anything. Honey, <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you the cat barfed, I hope that you're going to clean it up. Well, you're downstairs. I'm upstairs. <laughs> yeah, it's only fair. I cleaned up the cat puke. It isn't still crusted on my floor anymore. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for stopping by for Outside is Overrated. We hope you'll follow us on social media. You can email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. Maybe someday somebody will write to us and we'll read it on the show. Otherwise, maybe I'll make up emails for my friends again. I miss doing an email segment. We should do that. You can also reach me on the Twitter machine at Tom underscore underscore awesome. Do you remember your handle, love? No. We're a very Twitter-friendly household. <laughs> yes, we are. You can follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash outside is overrated or on Instagram at outside underscore overrated pod. So for our first topic today, we are going to review Spider-Man Far From Home. Let me get this out of the way right away. We are going to be discussing spoilers. We're going to be talking about the plot. We're going to be talking about the action. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home, or if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame and intend to, you're going to want to skip ahead past this segment. We'll only discuss spoilers in this first segment. You can look for the timestamps on Outside is Overrated. Hopefully they'll also post with the article description wherever you subscribe to podcasts. But just to be abundantly clear, this is going to be a very spoilery part of the podcast. So, as adults that now have a baby, it is very difficult for us to get to movies. Extremely. We used to go fairly often. Now, we've been to two movies this year, Avengers and now Spider-Man. I believe so, yeah. And the reason we were able to get to Spider-Man was because we took a day off from work last week. So, we've already paid for daycare, so we dropped our child off at daycare, and we went on a movie date for the day. We started the movie at 9.45 a.m., and then we followed that up with lunch and drinks at a bourbon bar. It was one of my favorite movie dates that I think I have ever been on. It, yeah, it was. It was very, very fun, and it was fun going to the whiskey bar. It was just fun to have a flight and enjoy ourselves. Yeah, we tried four different whiskeys. I also had an Old Fashioned, which is my favorite cocktail. Yes, it is. It was a really nice day. We got all dressed up for it. I wore a spider tie. I wore a dress. I didn't wear a spider anything, but... Um, That's okay. You look just terrific, thanks. my love. I do have to say it was a lot better than Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, Deadpool. One of The last movie we saw in the theater before having a child, oh. and you were having contractions through almost all of it. I was, but I was referring to the guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was also just a random guy who had the big emotional punch towards the end of the movie, started walking up and down the main aisle of the movie theater yelling, Peanuts! Get your peanuts! Popcorn here! (laughs) And, like, he just wouldn't stop until my buddy Eric turned to him and said, Hey, buddy, you want to fuck off? I know. (laughs) And he did. He just left then. Yeah. It's like he just wanted attention. He wanted to see how long he could go on before somebody would say something. I think so. I don't know. But Meanwhile, my oldest brother is like the Hulk. I'm just glad he didn't leap out of his seat and (laughs) rip the dude's skeleton out of his skin. I think he was about to, but he didn't want to do it because the guy was standing behind me the whole time. But... Yeah, that was quite the experience between the contractions and that jerk bag. It was, it was quite the theater experience. 
So anyways, back to Far From Home. To set the scene, we'll give a brief recap of the movie. A recap is different from an end cap, honey. <laughs> and because I'm going to cut that out, nobody's going to have any idea what that means. Just you and me. Well, you could cut this part out, too, and then put it at the oh, end. Oh, no, this is gold. This stays. <laughs> this stays. We're sticking this in their ears, honey. <laughs> so uh, a few bullet points to summarize Spider-Man Far From Home. Peter is struggling to find his place in the Marvel Universe after Tony Stark's death. Again, if you know you haven't seen Endgame, I'm sorry if we just spoiled it. Yeah. You should have skipped ahead. Peter goes on a school trip to Europe, intending to leave the suit behind so he can go on a vacation to clear his head. While he's in Europe, Nick Fury abducts him and teams him up with Mysterio to defeat this huge elemental threat that's threatening to destroy the Earth. Peter and Mysterio bond. Peter decides to give Mysterio a powerful Stark doodad. Then we learn that Mysterio is the villain, and Mysterio tries to kill Peter. Peter tells his friend. Mysterio tries to kill Peter's friends. Spider-Man wins, and then at the very end of the movie, they throw the biggest grenade in any Marvel film yet, and I'm not going to spoil that point. You're not. I'm not going to spoil that. That is so good and has me so desperate to see what's going to happen next. I'm not going to bring it up here. Oh, I was going to say, it's almost following the comic series Civil War, but... It is very similar, which is ironic because Spider-Man... Tom Holland's Spider-Man's debut was in Marvel Captain America Civil War, the worst movie in the MCU. Yes. This is the fifth of six Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. What were your thoughts on Mysterio and the plot as a whole? As a whole. Um, Mysterio, I you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's an incredible actor and I really enjoyed him and he pulled it. I haven't seen him in very many things. Oh, really? Yeah, no, he's incredible. I mean, it just he was really good. I enjoyed him. He was able to pull off the part where you want to empathize with him and enjoy him, be buddy buddy with him, and then all of a sudden he turns one eighty, and you're just like, and he becomes crazy as shit. And such a charismatic villain, and so strong in his beliefs. This is like the Thomas of the Tom villains. Yes, from that he is. Regard. Yep. So I mean. Jake Gyllenhaal was fantastic. I loved Mysterio, the whole character, and how they brought him about. I loved the scene between him actually truly fighting Spider-Man in Germany because it followed the comic books. It felt like it was coming off the pages of the comic books to me of the fight scenes. Um, The plot, it was really good. I enjoyed the movie as a whole. There's holes in it that you know i'm still struggling with but you enjoyed it i gave it a 9.5 which ties avengers endgame for the highest review score i've given a movie i loved it i put this above avengers endgame i so thoroughly enjoyed this going in i wasn't convinced that i liked tom holland as spider-man we watched homecoming the night before and i said yeah i enjoyed aspects of that film we'll talk about that a little bit more later but after watching far from home i really like tom holland um, they got away from the Stark suit. I thought that was a terrific I, decision. I, I totally agree. So another main storyline in the movie is Peter pining over MJ. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where he finally gets her alone. All movie long, he's been plotting and scheming and how he's going to make his move. And he finally gets her alone, and he's going to give her this gift. And she confronts him about being Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> kind of an interesting moment. What do you think of the love story in Far From Home? Um... I think it's very plausible. They really pulled through the high school essence of these young kids where in um, the Garfield, they made them seem a little older in their relationship. But Even in the Toby one, having just watched Homecoming and Spider-Man 1 and The Amazing Spider-Man within the last week or so, like 
Far From Home and Homecoming, the Tom Holland films, they feel much younger. The kids feel much younger. They do them. feel much younger. The whole relationship between him just feels very high schoolish and very, even the kiss scene was just very. Which is kind of a turnoff for me oh. now. Like being an adult, getting close to 40, like my patience for high school dramas is waning. Yes. You know, it's just the innocence, you know, and they portrayed that very well. And they portrayed her innocence, you know, them trying to feel their ways through this relationship, trying to tell each other that they like each other, you know. And so I think they did a great job of showing this high schoolness of this romance without getting, making it seem too adultish, you know. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. And they, I feel... I thought with Homecoming that it was a very family-friendly new direction for Spider-Man, and that continued in this. There is a lot of innocence, and uh, a lot of superhero movies have tended to go darker and darker over the last five to ten years, and this is a big step in the other direction. It is. I mean, I, I guess you're dealing with high schoolers. I don't know how dark you want to get with high schoolers. You can, but, you know, it, Spider-Man isn't technically that dark. He's, he can get dark, but not, he's not dark all the time. He wears a dark suit sometimes, honey. I know. And like I said, he gets dark sometimes. <laughs> That's my favorite when he wears the black suit. Yeah. Anyways, those are other movies and comics and stories. How about the rest of Peter's friends? Now, they're dealing with something weird here. Uh, in the movie, they refer to it as the blip. When Thanos snaps his fingers... Haha, <laughs> microphone, pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> so when Thanos snaps his finger and makes half the population disappear... They reappear five years later. Everyone that disappeared is the same age. Everyone that was not snapped away the first time has aged five years. So they're dealing kind of with the fallout from that. It, I don't know. It seemed weird. This is one of the holes that I have a hard time with is the blip and the character Brad. It's like, dude, you should have graduated. Why are you still in high school in the same grade as Peter Parker? Because if they were continuing school like they made it seem like in the newsreel, Brad should have been graduated into college so i don't understand why he's there well if he was in seventh grade when the blip happened eight nine ten eleven he'd be a senior now so i guess he it would make sense but you know yeah my understanding from the comic from the comic version was that when thanos got defeated everything got reset so kind of a new direction it is but i wonder if that's just a tool to move the mcu as a whole forward like it's hard to understand why it's just a thing in far from home yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're just trying to connect the movies, and I don't know. It's just it's an interesting gimmick. It's an interesting plot storyline. You know, I just didn't really. Are we gonna have to suspend disbelief in all future Marvel movies that they're all five years in the future? I think so. I think we're supposed to do that, I, and I'm sure they'll. You know, since we're going into space, it's not going to really matter anymore. But, you know. Well, as our daughter would say. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm really kind of iffy on it because it's just like, I don't know. It didn't propel the story that much. But What about Ned, who I believe is Miles Morales' friend? Not Peter Parker's. But in the Tom Holland movies, he's the guy in the chair. Yeah, I don't know if this is Marvel just trying to make it different and interesting to try to keep it away, make it its own thing, not part of all the other Spider-Mans. But I really miss Harry. You know, anything you watch with Spider-Man, Harry's in there, you know. It's an important relationship. 
It is. And it's, it's a very close relationship that all of a sudden turns and, you know, and so it, he's a fun character, but I don't know. I just miss Harry. And Ned had a romance in this uh, movie. He hooked up with Betty Brandt, who was Peter Parker's very, very, very first girlfriend way back in the 60s. I mean, I do have to give him nods for um, bringing some of these characters and sneaking them in in ways. So I don't get why they will bring her name in, but then they give MJ Michelle. It's just, I don't know. But it's very strange. It's so, but it is fun to hear little nods here and there for characters. And I guess in ways it was a nod as far as having his friend date her, you know, you know, being original love interest for Peter, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jumping topics to another character, Flash. Flash is a character that I really struggle with in this Marvel continuity. He is no longer a jock. He's a lesser member of the debate team and kind of a rival of Peter's, but he no longer holds physical presence over Peter. No, he is a wealthy kid who's spoiled, and I don't know. Again, it's just Marvel trying to change the characters in a new direction or a new light, but still... you know, Flash is supposed to be a jock. He's supposed to be after Peter. You know? Yeah, he's supposed to be a bully to Peter, and eventually he goes on to become Agent Venom, which is another one of my very favorite characters. And mm-hmm. like this, this version of Flash Thompson is never going to put on a symbiote. No, he's not. Not that they're ever probably going to introduce the symbiotes into this continuity, but you know, I'd like to at least believe it was possible down the line. Yeah, I mean, they could have totally in ways if they wanted to continue that whole universe but i mean the spider-man characters and stuff but yeah it's just it's kind of disappointing and you know when i see him he doesn't look like a flash to me because he's rich he's part of the debate team he's not really this jock who he's is not that popular there really are no popular kids in it like really, no it really focuses on the outcasts it which really doesn't does. make peter unique as an outcast it's like he's got his band of merry misfits with him that's very true i mean they're all the same they're part of the debate team and that's another thing that i had a hard time with with the individual spider-man movies is they don't really show Peter's smarts as much as they did in the other movies. But and we will dive so deep into that just a little later on. And, you know, you see a little bit of in Civil War, but, you know, it's like all you see is him. His science t-shirts. Science t-shirts. And the debate team, he knows some of the answers. And, yeah, it's just, and Flash would not be part of the debate team. <laughs> no, no, he would not. And I guess... Maybe they had to fudge it so that everyone could go on a science trip and not just a school trip. Or True, yeah. I don't know. I really struggled with Flash. So some notable omissions from the film. You touched on this earlier, but no Harry, no Oscorp. I never thought that I would wonder how Peter got bitten by a radioactive spider. That's very true. I mean, I understand not trying to rehash the storyline over again. But, I mean, they could have done a quick fast-forward speed telling the story without spending a whole lot of time on it you know yeah or some reference the not having harry in the universe at all feels very very strange maybe he yeah. couldn't have two best friends well i'm wondering did they omit oscorp and harry because they are you ha- gonna touch on my conspiracy right here i don't know i just it i don't know if you're a conspiracy fully but stark industries is the techno god of the mcu movies so could they not they just didn't want to bring this other techno god into the whole Spider-Verse because couldn't have competing, you know. That could be. My theory is that 
Sony owns the right to Spider-Man and the Sinister Six and a bunch of Spider-related properties. I feel like they only lease back very limited pieces to Marvel for these films. So they got Peter, but they didn't get Harry. They didn't get Oscorp. They didn't get the name Mary Jane Watson. I don't even know if they got Thompson for Flash. Yeah. They never, as far as I recall, they don't refer to him as Flash Thompson, just Flash. As far as my memory... I just heard Flash, but I can't remember what the guy was holding at the airport for the last name. That's right. I mean, I could be crazy, but it it just feels like there is enough missing from uh, Peter Parker's world. Like, it just feels like... Peter Tingle. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, apparently they don't have lights to say Spider-Sense either. Very funny joke with the Peter Tingle. The first five, six, seven times. Like, yeah. As far as Marissa Tomei took it, that's great. Well, I just, you know, I just, I don't know if you want to talk about it later, but it's just like the whole spider sense is one of his superpowers. And it's like, it seemed odd for him to not have it. You very know? odd. A very big piece of him was missing. Yeah. And it made me wonder if they were still waiting to develop him a little bit so that he still is still growing and still discovering what he's capable of. But that they would make sense. But they didn't really show him trying out other stuff except for what's part of the suit. You know. Yeah, that's true. All in all, I really love this film. I thought that Mysterio was awesome. At first, I thought it was weak that Mysterio didn't use magic, that it was all, again, spoiler territory, but it's all special effects and gimmicks. And then, after, was it the day we saw the movie? Yep. We went and bought me a big collection of Mysterio comics. Mm -hmm. uh, Mysterio versus Spider-Man collection. And it turns out that Mysterio, at least, I'm not very deep into it, but he starts off as a special effects guy who's trying to frame Spider-Man. So they followed his gimmick and they just brought it into our current technology and they executed it wonderfully. They did. They used a lot of drones, which is a little hokey, which leads to Spider-Man fighting a crap ton of drones at the end, which I hate. Superheroes don't need to fight drones. Drones are dumb. Also, Venom fought drones. Drones are dumb. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, I think they brought it. I, I enjoyed the movie. I would give it an 8. I like it better than Endgame. But, um, 8. Oh, honey. Maybe an 8.5, but... You don't have to give it a point five for me. <laughs> it can earn its rating. It can earn its rating. So we had mixed feelings about it, I guess. Where do we think that Tom Holland Spider-Man will go in the final movie? Oh, I mean, they could go anywhere with him. I mean, they could solve the issue right away. Um, I guess we should talk about it. We gave the spoiler discrepancy. At the very end of Far From Home, the moment that was my favorite moment in the movie, they revealed Peter Parker's identity. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is where one of the holes is that drives me crazy is if the drones are recording everything and now, you know, because Spider-Man... Uh, Peter Parker has the glasses and he can control all of Tony Stark's drones, technology, cameras around the world. I think he could find a video of showing the whole actual what happened sequence instead of the edited sequence that was released on the news reel. That could be the solution to it. That would make a certain amount of sense. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. They could, Nick Fury could find it, show the world. And, you know, takes care of the issue right away. And then it's something else that's the issue. Him dealing with everyone knowing who he is and then him just trying to figure out what to do. I don't know. I wonder if they kill him and make Miles Morales Spider-Man. I mean, 
It'd be interesting. It'd be... Um, and I love Peter Parker. When, If and when Peter Parker dies, I will take it very hard, but it would be a very bold direction, and I think I would enjoy that stance very much. I mean, it would be a very bold direction, and, it, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be interesting if they did do that because it would do a whole different direction for the Spider-Verse, the MCU movies. It would be different for them. So... So, even though we have mixed feelings, I think we both recommend watching Spider-Man oh, Far gosh, From Home. Yeah. If you're a Spider fan, if you're an MCU fan, if you're a superhero fan, there is a lot to enjoy here. The effects and the fighting and everything is awesome. It's a little high school drama so if that's not your thing, suck it up because the rest of it is awesome. No, it's well done. I think the visual effects are incredible. I think everything, the whole storyline wraps together really well, you know, and it's just... The pieces that I don't like, it just brings in the rating down, you know, so, but. Where does it rank amongst all the Spider movies? Well, we'll tell you in Tom Awesome's top five Spider-Man movies. It's time now for. Tom Awesome's top five countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Number five, Spider-Man 3. Starting the list with a controversial choice, people really hated the emo Spider-Man. I liked him. He got the black suit. Uh, the symbiote makes him more aggressive, and it freaks Peter out, and I think they showed a real change in Peter Parker with that black suit. Like People thought it was silly that he was dancing. I thought it was very fun and very different. They did. I mean, they changed his look. They made him the whole stance. I mean, McGuire did a great job, and... I th- I enjoyed the movie. I think they did an incredible job showing what the dark suit did to him. Venom's one of my favorite characters. Venom and Spider-Man are my two favorite characters. I was disappointed that they chose Topher Grace. Not that he's a bad actor. He just didn't have the build of Eddie Brock for me. No, and that's the thing. that When we first started dating and we watched the movie, that was your first complaint was he didn't have the build of Eddie Brock. And I thought the effects were cool. It just, he didn't have the right look for Venom, and I never got past that. And they killed him at the end of the movie. Like, it felt like a waste of my favorite character. Yes. But I'm glad they were able to make Venom his own movie. So Me too. Number four, Spider-Man, the 2002 classic with Tobey Maguire. You know, we just watched it again, and the effects are a little bit dated, but still a very fun movie. I like Tobey Maguire a lot. I was a little surprised when it fell to number four in my top five. I was just going to say, babe, that seems awfully low for you. (laughs) Number three, Avengers Infinity War. I was really torn between this one and the original Spider-Man. Avengers, not a Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man had a prominent role in it, though, so I counted it, and I slid it in at number three. I love the interactions that he had with Stark, with Strange. He went to space, like... There was a lot that I really loved about Spider-Man in Avengers Affinity War. I can see it. And they killed him, and it was the only time I've audibly booed in a movie theater. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. They... Sporting events, yes, all the time. <laughs> yeah. In a movie theater, <laughs> never. Walking past the house is uh, Green Bay Packer sign. That's what they get, honey. Boo! <laughs> but yes, it was the first time I heard you boo in a movie. Number two, Spider-Man movies, Into the Spider-Verse. You love this film. I can't believe it's not number one. I love it so much. It was a, it was very tough for me to choose the number one. There are so many things that I like about Spider-Verse. 
but I think my favorite aspect of it is every time you meet a new Spider-Man, you get the, here we go, one more time, and they run through the history of Spider-Man again. Like I've said many times that I never see, need to see Peter Parker get bit by a spider again. I thought Spider-Verse handled it exceptionally well. And and that's what they could have done with Far From Home. or not, Sorry, not Far From Home, but um, Homecoming. They could have done that quick speed through how it happened you know that would have been a very elegant solution i spent a lot of time thinking about into the spider-verse probably more than you realize oh i know you even tried to pull it up on youtube to just watch a little clip of it i wanted to see how they did them here we go one more time yeah and i one of the things that bugs me about it is it doesn't take place in our universe because peter parker doesn't match our peter parker no that's true they you know, because the Peter Parker in the Resident Universe is blonde, and he's much more Captain America. E. He is very much. And then the Peter that gets sucked over is much more like our Peter Parker if everything breaks wrong for him. And yeah. I think maybe that's the hook. That's why I like it so much because I love that Peter Parker, and I love how he works with Miles, and I love his redemption arc and how he grows through the film. And I think it's because he feels like our Peter Parker. In a strange new world. I think that's why I like it so much. No, I totally get it. I think those are the type of characters you love. And I can see it. I mean, he and they did an incredible job just with the relationships, bringing the characters together. You know, I would get that over that, a movie of 10. Holy cow. Honey, we have to do so much more talking about our differences in rating movies. (laughs) Maybe you should be writing for the site. (laughs) My number one Spider-Man movie... Spider-Man Far From Home. I love this film. I thought it was so good. We'll see how much it holds up on second, third, fourth watchings, but having seen it once, like it just captivated me. I love the effects. I love Mysterio. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I thought Spider-Man was badass. I thought they did some good things with his character. They stripped out the elements of Homecoming that I didn't like while adding yeah. another charismatic villain, and I just... I love Spider-Man Far From Home. I With these two movies, Homecoming and Far From Home, they've gotten incredible actors to play the villains. Vulture was incredible. Michael Keaton, he they couldn't have chosen a better actor to play. And then now Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio. It's just... And maybe that's what makes the superhero movie. We've spent some time talking about Punisher Season 2 and how maybe it's lagging a little bit. It doesn't have a very memorable villain. Like, it doesn't have a Mysterio. It doesn't have someone, some larger-than-life character that he's pursuing. And, you know, I've been complaining to you about it that, I mean, the Punisher show is really good, but... I just don't feel like it's a Punisher in, in the sense that I've known him from the comics in ways. And you've always pointed out that he's always been more part of other comics in ways. And, I mean, to me, him and Daredevil, the, show, the season of Daredevil, that to me felt like the true Frank Castle character, Punisher. Where this one, you know, you're dealing with back and forth, him dealing with his, you know, you know, does he won't he is he going to become the punisher but going off tangent here but i think yes the villains do play a huge role in a movie or a tv show and just a couple more things that i wanted to mention it's an honorable mention but they're not really movies so they didn't really qualify but the spider-man cartoon on disney xd we've been watching quite a bit of that it's really good i love it it's fantastic i think they're following one the some of the uh, comic book lines i think it's true to the source material we caught an episode, and I think the third season, Dr. Octopus actually steals Peter's body. Which is actually in one of the comic book series. When Peter dies, it, he actually ends up in Dr. Ock's brain. 
And so, and I thought they did a great job with the black suit in that series and Harry and his relationship. It's a fantastic show. And they even have the Avengers in it, which is, you know, fun to see. So I can't wait to share that with our daughter. Also, yes. Insomniac Spider-Man on PS4. It was my game of the year last year, and the cutscenes in that were so good. I can't wait to just watch through them all on YouTube again, especially all of the Peter and Mary Jane Watson MJ interactions. Well, you've mentioned that, you know, in the sense that video game has showed the essential Spider-Man in ways for you. And, you know, and they had more time trying to piece together the storyline, put together the character, you know. I think the cutscenes were something like 24 hours long. Is that how long the YouTube clip was? I actually didn't see how long it was, but... I think it was around 20 hours. Maybe I'm grossly exaggerating. Um, Anyways, what did we miss? Where are we crazy? Tweet all your vitriol for Spider-Man 3 at Tom underscore underscore awesome on Twitter. Don't forget the second underscore. Otherwise, you're just harassing a poor innocent sap <laughs> with a very similar <laughs> handle. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Premier Health, one more time. Premier Health has solutions for back pain neck pain, car accident and work injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. So now that we've talked about the top five Spider-Man movies, we've talked about the newest Spider-Man movie, we're going to dive into the tangled webs of three different Spider-Men. Yes. Now there have been... Ten Spider-Man movies, counting the Avengers movies that he's appeared in, featuring three leading actors since 2002. Tobey Maguire did three movies, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Andrew Garfield did Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. And Tom Holland did Homecoming, Far From Home, one Captain America movie, and two Avengers movies. So, thinking about the title character of each of these, what are the strengths of each one of these actors as Peter Parker? I think they're all good. I mean, they, all their interpretation of Peter Parker, it's interesting. Um, I guess in ways, Toby is your traditional, I think, Peter Parker character. He's I, easily the dorkiest he's of the, the three. three. He is. I mean, he in the movie, you see him trip and fall. He gets teased all the time. He's an outcast. He's, he is so awkward with Mary Jane. Yes, like, he, the scene in the cafeteria where she says, nice reflexes, and he just kind of drools over her. It's just priceless. I mean, as you know, he shows the quintessential Peter Parker as far as his dorkiness, you know, not fitting in, just being on his own. And then, you know, him being friends with Harry, you know, it's just, it seemed, seemed like the quintessential Spider-Man. Um, Peter Parker character. And Andrew Garfield, uh, they tried to take it in a different direction, it felt like. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if they felt like the interpretation of nerdy or geeky is different when they made the movie, you know, because like we... Toby felt dorky like the 1960s Spider-Man Peter Parker. I thought they just nailed that vibe. And we've talked about it before. What was dorky and nerdy when we were in high school? You know, you're an outcast where now... Everyone's wearing superhero shirts. Everyone's talking about D&D. Everyone's, you know, it's become cool to be geeky or nerdy. So I don't know if that's what they're kind of trying to, that they're running into. How do you make him look different? Because geeky and nerdy is different now. But um, True. Well, one of the things they did really well with Garfield that we both appreciated was they showed the science side and his sharp mind exceptionally well. That, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed that because in the cartoon and what I've seen from the cutscenes with the video game, there's a lot of science around Peter and he's very smart. And it's hard, it's probably very hard to show that on screen. Just science isn't, you know, 
all that interesting if you don't understand it and you can't just flash science in front of me and wow me. And I think they did that great with Garfield. They showed it in short clips here and there and it's like, wow, he know he's very smart. He's very science orientated and he builds things. And I mean, they didn't really show that with Toby as well. You know, they showed the dorky Peter where in Garfield, they're showing the science nerd Peter, you know. Another thing that I liked about Garfield was his connection with the people of New York City. Like when he rescued the kid from the van on the bridge, the kid doesn't want to climb up and he really had to coax him along and he took off his mask and gave it to the kid to help the kid feel more comfortable. I thought they showed the people skills of Peter Parker better with Garfield than maybe with the other actors. They did. And, you know, and again, with with Garfield being when he turns into Spider-Man, I think they did a better job of... um, Showing Spider-Man's persona, because, you know, you have always talked about that he's always has a running commentary when he's fighting. And real quick side tangent, that's we discussed the suit in Homecoming quite a bit. It annoyed you to no end that it was like an Iron Man suit. It annoyed me, too, but I got it as a plot device because in the comic books, he can just monologue across panels like he can be talking. He can be telling his story. That's a lot. If he does that in a movie, you think he's a crazy person. I know, but I just, it was too much of Iron Man. And I felt like MCU was trying desperately, I don't know. I just felt like they're shoving Tony Stark in our face a lot with. And Peter never figured out how to develop his own sense of his technology. I felt like they re- he, Tom Holland relied too much on the technology of Tony Stark instead of creating his own, like you see in the video game or in the comic books, how he creates his own stuff. And so I, you know, that's part of the things I just didn't like. But with Garfield, I mean, I thought they did a great job in those scenes where he has the one-liners. He's, a, you know, so it felt... Really? You think I'm a cop dressed in red and blue spandex? And so it felt true to the comic books because he, you know, they didn't make him seem crazy. He was saying the one-liners that are in the comics, so... That's yeah. very true. Uh, I thought he was a little cool for my taste, but you made a great point that what is dorky has changed, and it was hard to capture at that particular snapshot in time. It is. I, you know, they probably just thought maybe they don't need to make him dorky, so they decided to make him science nerdy instead. You know, to show the science part instead. Sure. You know, but he was too much of the cool brother that you wanted to hang out with you in ways. But you like know, brother as in biological brother, not you know. Brother, brother. (laughs) Yes. Moving on to Holland, one of the things that I really liked about his rendition of Peter Parker is that he really shows the pressure that Peter is under as he grapples with his place in a post-Avengers world. It's one of the things that traditionally makes Spider-Man such a beloved and relatable character. He's always struggling with the pressures of life. And I thought that Holland captured maybe not the struggles of life, but the struggles of trying to know your place in the world exceptionally well. He, uh, Tom Holland was incredible in that role. His, you know, just trying to feel his way around. And again, the and we're past spoiler point, so we don't want to yes. spoil the end of um, Endgame here. But the Marvel Cinematic Universe has changed at this point, and Spider-Man just is—he's really struggling to find his place in like the superhero eco- ecology. And I understand it was a plot point that they used, and. And I think, you know, Tom Holland is incredible in a lot of those scenes. You know, his innocence, all he wants to do is be a kid in ways, and he feels the pressure, and he wants to be there to help people. 
But he also just wants to be a, a teenager. He wants yeah. to live his life, which maybe isn't captured quite as well with Toby and Garfield. No, it's not at all. And, you know, and Tom Holland, he did an incredible job with it in the character. You know, and you've mentioned before in the comic books, he feels pressured about the rent, taking care of Aunt May and all those things. And, you know, I felt like they're pushing too much of, again, the Avengers on him. So I felt like it was too much. But I see it as a plot point to try to show him feeling pressured like he is in the comics. But And after setting the bar with these huge cosmic battles, it's hard to go back to a superhero worrying about how he's going to pay the rent. That's true. So what were the strengths of each one of these actors as Spider-Man? I'll start with Toby. I think he set a very high bar. He legitimized superhero movies. Now, X-Men came out, and I think 2000, and Spider-Man was in 2002. X-Men's an ensemble. It had a big cast with some really good actors in it. Spider-Man was a lone superhero making a blockbuster movie. I thought that Toby played both the romantic and the underdog very well. And we just watched this movie. Uh, the special effects are a little dated by today's standards, but a it's still bit. a very fun movie. And I still love Toby as Spider-Man. You know, I still have to agree. He's probably the quintessential Peter Parker, and he is the first Spider-Man. And, yep, it, it is a little hokey, but no, he set the bar really high. Then with Garfield... I loved how they showed the agility of Spider-Man, and I think they really did a good job of highlighting his improvisational skills when fighting. He was using the webs to zip all over the place and increase his mobility, and I thought they really captured a lot of the quickness and agility of Spider-Man in Garfield's rendition. And that's what I really enjoyed, because to me, Spider-Man, he has that agility, he has the ability to use things around him and fight and use everything. And that's what I loved about the movies is that I guess Garfield as Peter Parker, you know, there's parts I love, but I think him as a persona of uh, Spider-Man is the true persona of Spider-Man to me, I think. And then moving on to Holland, I really struggle to identify his particular strengths as Spider-Man. Like, I don't feel like his action as Spider-Man is as good as Garfield's. I don't feel like it's as trend-setting as Toby's, so I kind of struggle, despite how much I love Far From Home, I struggle with how Holland puts his stamp on the Spider-Action. I mean, at the end of the movie, when he's actually fighting the drones, you start to see him actually use, be the Spider-Man that we're kind of used to. But, yeah, it's not there throughout the whole movie. As One of the things you mentioned is jarring was he goes from Captain America Civil War, where he makes his debut in the MCU, and he's a relatively polished fighter. He holds his own in a fight with the Avengers, for Christ's sakes. Yes. And then he goes to Homecoming, and he's just this fumbling newbie. And yes. you pointed that out. It is a hard thing to reconcile. And by the end of Far From Home, he's uh, grown in his skills as Spider-Man, but does feel kind of like he just caught up to where he started yeah i just i don't know what it was but yeah it just re-watching those scenes from civil war he seemed more polished he used his web shooters and it almost seemed like he had the spider sense peter tingle and you know in some of the scenes but in where in the new far from home they made it seem like he just got it you know but so i don't know if they fully had the whole storyline all lined up they just threw him in the movie like they did miss marvel first and endgame and then decided to do her story so i don't know if that's part of the issue that they had but 
Yeah, that could be. So, you know, Holland's okay. I, you know, Holland's good. I I guess Holland shows the innocence and the pressure of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Another thing I wanted to touch on, because it seems to be much more of an issue now than it used to be, but when did spider suits become a thing in the MCU? Um, you know, I... From what I've known from knowledge, I don't really remember them as much. I don't know how the video game handled them, but, you know, I know Peter's probably always in the comic books trying to better his suits, create different things and stuff. But, yeah, I just thought with Holland, I felt like Stark Industries was too much of a crutch for him and his suits. So, Yeah, uh, Toby wore the same suit largely through three movies. He had the symbiote for a little while. Garfield, I believe, wore the same suit through two movies. I believe so, too. uh, Holland starts out with this basically Iron Man set of armor suit. Yeah, because he's given to it in Civil War because before he was wearing a sweatsuit. So he never even built his own suit. He was given his suit. And over the course of the Holland movies, he's had that Stark Tech suit. He's had the Iron Spider suit. He's had... He must have had one homemade one Uh, that's the sweatsuit the sweatsuit well just interesting to think that suits are becoming more of a thing to answer your question about the video game there were a crap load of unlockable suits and each one had a unique special ability and that was tied more to gameplay mechanics and a little bit of comic book fan service yeah so i don't know if a lot more recent or i don't know if miles morales if because of his suits or you know the comics with this into the spider-verse are having spider-mans have different suits but it almost feels like a batman gimmick because batman's a little bit more known for having the different suits for different occasions yeah and we had talked about it it just we were talking about iron man and batman but yeah it just the whole thing about the suit it's just peter parker spider-man is more than the suit and I guess with Tom Holland, I felt like they were just relying too much on the suit. And that ending scene with the droids and um, with Mysterio confrontation, you finally see him a little bit branching out of the suit, but still he's kind of reliant on it. So, As I mentioned at the top of the show, no good spider tale is complete without a compelling love interest. Let's talk about the major love interests that each of these actors had in their films. Toby had the prototypical Mary Jane Watson, played by Kirsten Dunst, who I just loved. She was adorable, and she was fun, and I, to me, she seems like the quintessential Mary Jane, you know, and, you know, she fell in love with both uh, Spider-Man and then Peter Parker, but, I mean, she's the girl next door, and Kristen Dunst played the role very well, and I think she was perfect, and I think they did a great job with the character. They also had a brief flirtation with Gwen Stacy in the third Spider-Man movie. Uh, I forget what Peter and MJ were going through, but I think they broke up, and so uh, Peter was being aggressive and wanted to hook up with Gwen Stacy. The, The highly controversial emo spider scene in spider-man 3 i yeah i mean people i don't know why they didn't like it i know into the spider-verse they make fun of it which is it's a very funny joke knowing how much people hated it they that was a really clever nod they did it it. was and um that shows how clever the movie is but look at when the movie was made i mean it's i think it was fine i don't know why people didn't like it but i love the love stories with toby especially with mary jane i thought it was just a great arc and 
Uh, I could watch those movies again and again and again. No, we've watched them a couple of times, and I don't know. I've always gone back to them, and when I think about early college, I th- that's one of the movies that you know comes to mind. So then in. Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man's, we have Gwen Stacy, who I had, frankly, forgotten about. Like, I carried a lot of my memory of Amazing Spider-Man, especially the first movie with me, but I had forgotten just how charming Emma Stone was. Gwen Stacy is an incredible character. I really enjoyed her, and because she's very smart, beautiful, warm, and charming character. But she's one of those strong women who doesn't have to be overly strong and be in your face strong she's just one of those silent strong characters and that's part of her charm she doesn't let no man tell her what to do she's you know even her father who is a police captain trying to keep her safe as hell breaks loose in the streets of new york yep and you know she is i just i love demma stone as gwen stacy and i mean it was a complete shocker at the end of the second film it was just oh my god i can't believe well we'll talk about in the best moments or the most memorable moments yes it's just but i mean you'll have to keep listening for another three (laughs) minutes to get there people but i mean yeah i just i really enjoyed the interpretation of gwen stacy in those movies and she was one of my favorite love interests of spider-man's then for tom holland we have mj again but just not mary jane i think you did a little research and found that they're just trying to have some freedom to do what they want with the character by calling her michelle and not Mary. That's what I could find, but I'm not sh- for sure. Maybe I go back to my conspiracy. They they didn't have rights to Mary Jane Watson, but they would, were allowed to say MJ. That would make more sense to me instead of oh, we want creative freedom. But you know, Disney owns everything. They want to do what they want to do. But you know, it's just it, it for, to just have creative freedom seems kind of silly. Interesting that they cast a Disney star, a one named Disney star, as. Mary Jane, or not as Mary Jane, as MJ. What were your thoughts on Zendaya? Zendaya? It's pretty close, I think. Um, I liked her. She's fun, you know, I guess. I thought she was fine. It was interesting that they gave her kind of a dark sense of humor. That was kind of interesting and different. I mean, they made her really different. I guess I just wish they didn't give her the initials MJ. Yeah, it's like either lean into it and do it right or do something different. Yeah, it's just... You know, someone out there said it would have been great if her last name was Jameson. And then that would that have been, been fun. Yeah. So then maybe M. Michelle Jameson might have been a fun twist on MJ. But And then there's Liz Allen, the love interest from Homecoming. Uh, I had forgotten that Liz was a character from old time Spider-Man. So it's kind of fun how they tied that back together. I mean, they did an incredible job with the Holland movies by bringing in all his love interest in a tight circle. But, you know, he's, of course, they're not going to have him date them all, but just a simple nod to the characters. So so let's rank them real quick from best to least interesting. Who do we put at number one, Kirsten Dunst as MJ or Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy? I'm going to say Emma Stone for Gwen Stacy. I'm with you, followed by MJ, followed by Gwen Stacy from Spider-Man 3, followed by both of the Hollands, MJ, and then Liz Allen at the bottom. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a very rankings-heavy show. Next, we're going to rank the villains across all of the movies. I guess we're is a strong term. I rank them. I wrote them all down. You're welcome to jump in with your thoughts. But from what I view as least interesting to most interesting, here we go. Shocker, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. 
Goblin Jr. from Spider-Man 3. This is James Franco, Harry Osborn. Uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be a Hobgoblin or if he's supposed to be a second coming of the Green Goblin, but Peter called him Goblin Jr. at one point, so it stuck. I mean, they weren't able to grow that character very well. I mean, I like what they did with Harry, but, you know, he's flying on a... Uh, snowboard and it was just a very weird thing that tried to be too cool for its era yeah next up this one pains me but venom oh my favorite characters but i just didn't think they captured him as well as they could have as far as venom venom no they didn't capture him as well i mean i don't know if the black suit would count as a villain or if that's just a suit it's just a suit it's an alien Yep, so, I mean, yeah, no, they didn't do Venom justice at all. And Next up, Green Goblin, the Defoe edition from Spider-Man 1. Now, I thought Willem Defoe was incredible. He is an incredible actor. I thought he did the great scene with the mirror was incredible, showing the One two different sides. the most size. iconic. Yes. I agree, but the suit was just so dorky. And I watching know. it again, it's like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Oh, you couldn't have special effect him to make him look like a scroll. Like, I wish they had done Green Goblin now where they could make scrolls look convincing. True. The next one on my list, Green Goblin from the Garfield. Now, admittedly, I don't remember a lot about Green Goblin uh, in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie, but I do remember that he chucked Gwen Stacy down an elevator shaft and she died. Yes, he did. Pretty memorable. Next up, Vulture from Homecoming. Michael Keaton, another incredible actor, giving an incredible performance. He did. Uh, but I didn't like the movie as much, so maybe that's why Vulture didn't make it into the very top tier. I thought that Vulture was beat out by Sandman from Spider-Man 3. Not my favorite villain in all of the Spider-Verse, but I thought the effects were cool, and I thought they did a really good job with him. I think they did a great job, and when we watched the clip from Sandman in the Spider-Man movie, I just... It reminded me of the Lego movie. They did an incredible job making Sandman look like Sandman. Next up, we only have three left, unless I miss somebody. But uh, Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2. I can't believe he's not higher. Well, he was great, but the other two, I thought, really stole the show in the movies that they were in. Number two, Lizard from Amazing Spider-Man. Right. My man. (laughs) You have quite an affinity for that actor. He is incredible. You, ha- I have to share that sh- Shakespeare movie with him in it. It's just, he's an incredible actor. I look forward to it. And number one, probably not a surprise if you listen this far, Mysterio. Oh my God, Jake Gyllenhaal nailed it. He did. I mean, he's the quintessential off the page from the comic books, Mysterio. And Lizard, I mean, he, he looked and felt like Dr. Connors off the page and... And I think your list is accurate. Hooray! I did good. Huzzah! One last topic with the Spider-Man movies. I didn't think Homecoming was a very good Spider-Man movie, but it did have a couple really, really remarkable moments in it. And it got me thinking about the most memorable moments from all of the Spider-Man movies. Like when Vulture realized that Peter Parker was Spider-Man while he was driving Peter and Liz to prom. That was an impressive and powerful moment. And again, this is, um, I mean, Tom Holland is a good actor and that scene in the car when he's trying to be the dorky Peter Parker. And then once Liz leaves the car and he finally realizes he can't bluff his way out, the shift in him, you know, being a little more confident 
was amazing. And it's a well-acted, well-done scene between the two actors. We brought it up a couple of times. As controversial as it was, it makes the emo dancing Spider-Man one of the most <laughs> memorable scenes in the Spider movies. I think it's great. It's fun seeing Toby doing it. I love Toby's hair in that. It's just, it's a fun scene. And if people can't think about it and laugh, I, I don't know what's wrong with them. What's wrong with them indeed? What are a couple that stand out to you, my love? Um, You know, the Stan Lee is probably one of my favorite cameos of Stan Lee is from the Garfield movie with the lizard fight. I think that's the best scene, best cameo that Stan Lee could be in. Just them. And if it doesn't spring immediately to mind, he's working in the high school library. He's got headphones on and he's just stamping books, doing his thing. And this brawl, this amazing fight with Lizard and Spider-Man is going on right behind him. Lizard is throwing Spider-Man through walls and all kinds of destruction. And he's just stamping his books. Yep. And it's quintessential because... It's like a fight off the comic books that, you know, you see Spider-Man in the traditional fight and Lizard. So I think it's an awesome cameo with a nod to the characters from the comic books. And I think it's one of my favorite scenes. Um, the Upside Down Spider-Kiss, everyone's going to talk about it, you know. Very iconic scene from the first movie. I wonder if that was the scene that put it on the map. You know, I think it might have, you know, and everyone was trying it. <laughs> and it legitimized, like, the love story of Spider-Man. It did, and it was, you know, everyone would talk about that scene. And I think that's probably part of what made a lot of people go to the movie. But, you know, Toby, I think, was the heart of the movie. But the upside-down Spider-Kiss, you can't beat that. Jumping to the second Amazing Spider-Man movie, I just referenced it, but when Green Goblin kills Gwen Stacy, that was a powerful moment. I couldn't believe that they killed such a charismatic character. I couldn't believe it either. I was just in shock. I, I thought, wait, this can't be true. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, Garfield, I guess his movies are a little bit darker. If you look at them now, they are have more of a darkness to them. But, I mean, it's just, it's a memorable scene. I can't believe how shocked I was by it. So, And one more that I can think of out of my favorite Spider movie, Far From Home, a scene with Mysterio where he completely overpowers Peter. The whole scene in Germany, Berlin, where um, all of a sudden... Fury gets shot in front of him and then you see the whole scenes with the mirrors and just the whole illusion trick with Spider-Man. And Spider-Man is completely lost in it. He is absolutely powerless and Mysterio hits him with a train. And Oh shoot, this wasn't supposed to be a spoiler part. Well, sorry, I just ruined <laughs> That's the end of all the Spider-Movies. <laughs> the end. Good night. Yeah, and it's a great scene, and I think they did an incredible job with the effects. And then I enjoyed when they used it again when at the end where he's trying to get to Mysterio to stop the final fight. And, and let's not uh, maybe spoil that moment. No, I just went him finally having his spider sense, and he's able to know what is a drone versus what is the illusion. And it's a very well-done scene, so... All in all, over 10 movies, Homecoming is maybe the low point for me, but there haven't been any that have been just atrociously bad, which is awesome. No, I'm glad because you have a wealth of Spider-Man movies to to enjoy and watch throughout the years and shared 
with Daisy as she grows older. And each of the Spider-Man has kind of a different feel to it. They have they a different do. vibe. They did a really good job of differentiating between the different iterations. They did. I mean, I think Toby is always in my heart going to be true to more comic book based, maybe in ways, but more lighthearted, the dorky. Where, you know, Garfield has a little bit of darkness to it. And then Holland, you know, he's the innocence of a Mm Spider-Man. And, you know, they're all enjoyable and they're fun versions. Like with Batman, you're always going to get a different version every time they make a movie about Batman. So, Well, it's awesome that my favorite character has such a rich history on the big screen for me to enjoy. Yes. So moving from Spider-Man to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or not even the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but Marvel Entertainment at large, there is no shortage of superhero content available today across the various platforms. With Disney acquiring Fox, they own almost the entire Marvel Universe outside of Spider-Man. What do we think this means for the future of superhero content? You know, I don't know. I mean, we've heard the phase that's going to, the next phase, it's going to be more out outer space but they have to do Doctor Strange and Black Panther movies yet you know it's just now that they have X-Men and Fantastic Four it's like now they can finally do the Infinity Gauntlet yeah they could (laughs) but it's just like now they have these properties are you know are they going to fit them in you know I guess X-Men did go to space but you know it's just it seems kind of odd to have these franchises and they're moving f- away from Earth to space. So it'll be interesting to see how they tie these new franchises. Well, I'm not characters. excited about going to space. I, I mean, know that doesn't do not. much for me. Like, you know, if it happens on Earth, I am very interested. Like, when Thor took place most, mostly in Asgard. I know you were It doesn't a fan. do much for me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because I like science fiction, but for some reason in movies, I don't particularly care for Marvel things in space. That's kind of interesting because, yeah, you... I did love Guardians of the Galaxy. You did fair. enjoy that. You do prefer things on Earth, in, but you do enjoy fantasy, things that are outside of Earth, written in book that's fantasy. I guess it's hard for me to care when Earth exists in this expanse. I'm making the big grand gesture with my <laughs> hands right now. But if Earth exists within the universe that's where my interest is going to be if it's a universe where our earth as we know it doesn't exist it's easier for me to get lost and immersed uh, and to care about what's happening in those other areas that makes sense and you know it, it it'll be interesting to see how they progress from here and i mean the spoiler at the end you know with nick fury being up in space they are going to be moving forward into that continuity so now it's too bad that disney canceled all of the netflix shows we have watched the first two seasons of Daredevil, the first season of Jessica Jones, and we're almost done with the second season of The Punisher. This was some really good superhero content, and we both really enjoy like the uh, miniseries format. We do. I I always feel like any show should really be follow the British formula or be a miniseries. Because when you're constrained to shorter seasons, you write better episodes. And, and for people who might not be as familiar with British TV, what's the usual formula? Uh, six, nine, and 13, I think, are usually the lengths of seasons. Hour-long or half-hour episodes? They can be an hour-long to be an hour and a half, but even their half-hour shows, their seasons are about maybe only 13 episodes. 
But I mean, you have concise writing. You don't have to sprawl. You don't have to try to figure out storylines that go on forever and then try to bring it back. And you also have ample time to tell a complete story. Yeah. It's longer than a movie, but shorter than a 26-hour-long season of Castle. And I think that's probably why a lot of shows on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu have done well is because they're shorter. And so the writers knew, know that they can try to concise the storyline better, you know, instead of having to sprawl forever. And think of some of my favorite moments from those shows. Man, David Tennant was awesome in Jessica Jones. Oh, man, yeah. He was so good. And I loved The Punisher in the second season of Daredevil, like you mentioned earlier. And it just, these were some really good shows. We've only seen the first episode of Luke Cage, but it just seems so stylistic and awesome. I can't wait until we dive back into it. I like what they've done with it because it's not quite noir. It's like they have Cotton Club. They're taking elements of that whole black culture with Cotton Club into this. I don't know what Cotton Club is. It's a movie. Am I a horrible racist? (laughs) No. They just, you know, brought that whole jazz, the culture, everything into Luke Cage. And I think they've done a great job with it. And, you know, it'll be fun to watch it more. They've done an, um And I'm glad they've shown how different each uh, show is. I mean, Jessica Jones is different from Daredevil. Daredevil's different from Punisher. It's not like the same exact director, writer. It's just they're their own thing. So... So are we sick of superhero content yet? I mean, <laughs> X-Men Phoenix Rising just came out. I didn't care. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, a large part of that is Sophie Turner's fault. I know. You you don't want to see it because of her. but um. I mean, I'm I'm as interested as I am in other X-Men movies. I like the X-Men, but I, I think, yeah. Apparently it wasn't worth us dropping our child off at daycare and skipping a day of work for. No, I think, yeah. I'm starting to feel the fatigue a little bit. I'm, you know, starting to, you know, and it's interesting. I don't know how long they're going to push it. And especially now that we know they've canceled all the Star Wars movies. They were going to push that as long as they could, but they said, nope, we're canceling them all. So I don't know how long they're going to push these superhero movies. I mean. What concerns me is that a lot of my favorite characters have already been done now. Yes. Spider-Man's had 10 movies since 2002. That's pretty good. There's going to be one more Holland one, and I hope that after that he gets a little break. Yeah. They did a Venom movie. Hopefully they're going to follow up on that one with the post-credit tease that they had. Uh, but looking at the Avengers that are left, like I think the only person that I find interesting and would want to see more of is Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I think so. But now they're doing the TV shows, and and she's gonna have her own TV show, and it's like. Is it gonna be the same, Maximoff, or is it a different? Yeah, actually, they have the actual actress. So like, they have Paul Bentley and her gonna be in the show together, and they're. The magic of recording a podcast from your home, just two feet to our left, (laughs) our cat is freaking the f out on a windowsill because there is a moth on the other side. You can't get it, bear. Let it go. Let it go, man. Let Let it go. go. (laughs) But no, I think for me, the fatigue is starting to set in. I think it'll start to set in with people after this phase, maybe. But maybe people enjoy it because it's going to be out in outer space, so they can do whatever they want with the effects. Where on Earth, they have to keep it looking. A little more grounded. grounded yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time seeing myself get excited about new characters. Like, I like what they did with Falcon. I don't need to see anything else with Falcon in it. 
Mm, Same with Winter Soldier. Black Panther was a great movie in its own right. I mean, yeah, we'll see it if it comes out again, but I'm not getting super excited. We've already seen two Guardians movies. I don't know. It was kind of interesting, and I guess it helped me keep going to the movies is because they're building up to the Thanos thing. Yeah, maybe that's why it feels different now. Everything for so long was funneling down that one uh sales funnel to avengers endgame and now it's over and it's like well now what spider-man was good but yeah i don't have a burning need to see another superhero movie except for deadpool because i love the deadpool movies yeah so i don't know unless they if they're going outward i mean are they going to start bringing in silver surfer are they going to bring in um galactus galactus is he going to be a villain, you know? In, you know? That would be cool. So, I mean, I don't know if they have the next big villain because, I mean, Thanos is out the door now. So we'll see. I mean, we'll, I guess, see if they have another end game to target with this next phase. And a couple of semi-related topics before we close out the show. Speaking, we've talked a lot about Tom Holland tonight. He was cast as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted film. I know. <laughs> she said with trepidation. <laughs> um, you've shared the video games. We've played them together. We have played the first two and about half of the third one together. And it's just, I really, really have a hard time seeing him as Nathan Drake. It's He's too little. He just doesn't have the stature. He doesn't have the stature. He doesn't have the square jaw. He, and... I think he's too innocent to be Drake. Drake is a wisecracking, you know, macho man. But, I mean, I just, there's, I don't know. I mean, I can't say his last name right. David Boreanaz or... Angel. Angel, and he was in Bones. He, I think, would have been a perfect fit, but he's a TV actor, so I don't know if they just didn't think he would have enough cred to play the character. He had the look. We had talked about Nathan Fillion being perfect for it for a long time, and they did the fan film that was really good. It was really good, and he was really good, and he has the wise cracks for it. He can pull the character off. I know people say, well, Heath Ledger, people thought he was too much of a pretty boy to play Joker, and he pulled it off. Yeah, well, you can dumb down a pretty boy you can turn down the looks you can't make someone bigger broader square jawed like you just can't yeah change the look of someone unless it's gonna be like completely cgi nathan drake in the real world Uh, yeah to me tom holland is too much of a kid to play the character he has too much innocence in his face are they just gonna cast little people as all the rest (laughs) of the cast i don't know i think i might have read that they're gonna maybe do a younger nathan drake version of the movie oh, good teenage nathan drake yeah i think awesome yeah his, him first starting out with scully so i don't know i have huge trepidation for it and i well video game movies don't have a very good track record for a yes. reason and we certainly hope that we're able to dive into that as a future topic in oio yeah i hope so i hope we can start watching some and do a couple episodes and now i'm really going to put you on the spot yes, here you are you love batman <laughs> batman is your absolute Favorite yes, character. What are your thoughts on the new Batman, whose name I did not write down and cannot remember? Robert Patterson. Yeah, him. Actually, I am looking forward to it because, you know, a lot of people are like, ooh, he was in Twilight. He was a sparkly vampire. Yeah, I think the internet hates him. They hate him because of that. But the thing about Robert is he did what Joseph Gordon Lovett did, who is one of our favorite actors. He is. He's incredible. 
he got out of the spotlight. He did a lot of um, films that were more character acting that were huge. He did, um, I don't know what you call them, but they're... Um, more independent films? Yes, independent films where he could grow as an actor. And then he also did a lot of films where he was a sporting role, which outshone some of the actors. So I think he's going to be really, really good. And I thought it was a great choice. I know a lot As opposed to going with an established superstar like Ben Affleck, who wasn't a great fit. I don't think he was. He was... I liked him as Bruce Wayne. I yes. thought he had the look for Bruce Wayne, but I just didn't think he brought a lot to Batman, and maybe that was bad writing, maybe that was bad directing. I mean, Christian Bale and uh, Ben Affleck pulled off Bruce Wayne beautifully. They knew how to do the charm. They knew how to be the playboy. They did it well. As far as filling the shoes of the actual Batman character, the persona, I mean... Definitely Ben Affleck didn't do it as well. And Well, he's old Batman. He was just prepared to die. He didn't have a contingency yeah. plan. He's like, well, I'll just <laughs> drive into the volcano and save the world. Yeah, and Batman would never do that. But, you know, it's just I think he'll be good, and it'll be fascinating because I've read that this Batman is going to show more of the detective aspect of the Batman character, and we haven't seen that a lot in the movies. We've seen more of the fighting and uh, Bruce Wayne, you know, being the playboy. I am Batman. Yeah, and using the tools and stuff. So it'll be fun to see what they do. And I think it's a good choice and I'm looking forward to it. So, and, you know, I never read the books, Twilight. I never saw the movies and I just... This is, I think, one of your adoring <laughs> personality quirks. When something reaches a certain threshold of popularity, you kind of turn off against it. Like, you haven't read Harry Potter. <laughs> I think you've seen the movies. You absolutely bristled against um, Twilight. Yeah. You did not support the Hunger Games. There's just been a lot of phenomenons that it just reaches a certain level. And you're like, eh, no I thanks. don't know. My nonconformist kind of creeps out when people are saying you gotta read it you gotta read it you gotta read it you have to that's where your don't tell me what to do manifests itself it does it's like i'm not gonna read it because everyone else is reading it and i can hear about everyone talking about it it's like what's the point you know well, you could join the conversation then honey we could do a podcast about it that's true but you know i guess i like reading things that are under the radar like harry dresden or the iron druid series and no one knows about them. but now harry dresden's a little bit more popular but you know it's just like when you bring up a book, they're like, really? That's cool. You know, but, you know, I'll read the Harry Potters. I really want to read those, but... Um, we'll read them together to Daisy. It'll be wonderful. Yeah, but I'll say that's what I was doing. I oh, was saving it sure. to read to yeah. our child. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I can give you a cop-out. But, you know, the Twilight books and that stupid series, um, Fifty Shades of Grey, I mean people fell in love with them because they're romance novels and it's like those aren't romance novels they're they're not the true romance novels so i avoided them like the plague so you're adorable honey <laughs> thank you well hopefully robert patterson does a great job as batman and whether he's great or whether he sucks i am sure we're going to talk about it here yes now next month the plan is to have hobbybox burns back here to talk about some cooperative gaming We'll see how that works out. You know, sometimes things change. This was supposed to be an episode about Zelda, but here we are talking about my guy, Spider-Man, for an hour and a half. Yes. Phoenix, my love, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. How was it for you, love? 
I think I'm shaking a little bit, but I'm good. Oh, honey, you're so good. <laughs> Thank Everybody you so much. Loves you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Outside is Overrated. Please tell a friend about the show, especially if you have a nerdy friend that likes Spider-Man. Like, you know, here we are, whole Spider-Cast. It would also be tremendously helpful if you would review us on your favorite podcast platform to help other listeners find us. Don't forget to follow us on social. I'm Tom underscore underscore awesome. I believe she is Mrs. underscore OIO on Twitter. <laughs> you can follow the show at facebook.com slash outside is overrated or on Instagram at outside underscore overrated pod. We'll be back with another great episode next month. Stay inside, kids. <laughs> Why are you making shark noise, honey? <sighs> we could start recording again, but I am eating chocolate. <laughs> go, honey, go. Go, go. Tom Awesome's five fighting, top five fighting Spider-Man movies, five minutes. I don't know. I gotta say the part. <laughs> eat, 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 oh, eat, um, eat, um, eat. Um, um. <laughs> you guys might think we're putting on an act, but this is just life for us. <laughs> I swear to God, my wife is the most patient woman in the world. <laughs> How is it watching me eat chocolate in front of a microphone, honey? River Dean. <laughs> I feel so self conscious. <laughs> Aaron Burr. <laughs> Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr. <laughs> it's an old Got Milk commercial. Ah, yes. Like the guy calls into a radio station. Who um, who did Aaron Burr kill? Hamilton? Yes. And he's like, who shot Alexander Hamilton? And the guy's eating peanut butter. And he's trying to say Aaron Burr, but he's doing Aaron Burr. <laughs> and the radio guy can't understand him, so he hands out. Yep. Got Milk. No, but I got big ginger and chocolate. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> fine. It's fine, honey. <laughs> That's what you told me today. It was fine. <laughs> the fajitas were fine. <laughs> we're a little loopy. I kept recording through all this, too. I so know. This I is know all going at the end of the credits, honey. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> Maybe I'll chop it up so it doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> that would be probably best. I still have chocolate in my mouth. Can I have the water, please? The water? Thank you. You're welcome. Honey, the water's gone. What are we going to do? Oh, no. No, no. Oh, no. The extremely divisive... Divisive. The extremely... God, I can't say the word.